out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. Hey, what's up, Dan? Just looking for my car, man. Oh, yeah? Cool. I lost it when I was smoking doobies. Doobie brothers. Doobies with my brothers. Smoking doobies with my brothers. Peace out, Seacrest. Your office is that way. Thanks. (laughs) Howdy doody, paper people. How we doing today? How you doing, Dan? Really, really high, bro. Me too. (laughs) Today we're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 20 of The Office, Drug Testing. Woo! Yeah! That was a pretty good bong sound effect, dude. Cued up on your computer right Right? there. I'm impressed. I know. The internet, you know? Crazy place. find anything. Magical place. (laughs) (laughs) What's new with you? What do we got going on? Uh, Since I last saw you, like... Two days ago, we when, saw Mark Marin, the not king, the king of podcasting, the king of podcasting. Yeah, we failed to get him on our podcast. It's true. So we, we gotta st- try harder next time. We stalked his tour bus, but we were blocked out right before he made his appearance. It's amazing the security Mark Marin has. It is, you know? and I mean, we also I feel like it was a fundamental mistake that the first thing we did was go to the rooftop bar to stake out a. <laughs> Famous ex-alcoholic of, you know, 25 years or so. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't going to be there. Or sober alcoholic is maybe how they call themselves. I'm not sure. Former alcoholic. Former. That sounds good. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever he wants, you know? Yeah. That's cool. I mean, actually, most alcoholics would probably say that they still are alcoholics. They just don't drink anymore. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it takes. I think for him, uh, I listened to one of his recent podcasts. It has been exactly 25 years as of a week or two ago. Damn, that's impressive. It really is. Wow. I didn't realize it was so long ago we quit. Yeah. Hmm. And what did he say in the show we saw? He's 55? Yeah. Been doing comedy for 35 years. Yeah. So he's sober since 30. Yeah. I didn't realize either. Because, I mean, the way he makes it sound, it's like his life was... You know, he just totally messed up everything while he was drinking. I mean, yeah, but it seems like he... The way he normally talks about it, you wouldn't imagine that it was, like, so long ago. Yeah, I guess so. Do you think he's done other drugs since he quit drinking? No, that's sober for everything. Wow. Yeah, 25 that's what he said. years. Huh. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Congrats to Mark Marin, who yeah. we both know is a listener of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every week of, friend of the show mark he emails us every week too and yeah. i gotta say a little more frequently than i would like he's a little needy a little as bit. far as our as far as our paper people go yeah he's by far the neediest emotionally <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fantastic stand-up it was and i liked how he acted all weird and elusive like he didn't know us you know despite him going back and forth emailing us every day for months it's classic Marin. Classic Marin. <laughs> that guy. Yep. <laughs> We've been watching uh, Glow. 
Oh, we gotta get. I gotta get into that. Yeah, yeah. I think we're three or four episodes in. It's been of the quality of the previous season. Oh, yeah. Nice. Arguably better. I, I feel like it's one of those shows you need to get into the characters before things really start clicking. I mean, I, I liked it from the get go, but yeah. Now that everyone's fleshed out, they can really, you know, it's nice to not have deep. to get past that yeah boundary anymore. Right. Hump. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. Speaking of other completely non-office uh, show business TV related news, I saw earlier today. Don't know if you saw or not that apparently Nathan Fielder just signed a deal with HBO. Yes. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> that just made my week. Right? Wow. <laughs> what is he going to do? That's the question. Oh, that Could guy. Do anything. Maybe he's doing it now. Maybe we're part of it yeah. right now. We don't even know. He's the modern day Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Eric Andre, who's like a cross between David Lynch and Andy Kaufman. Right. Yeah. We just, just got tickets to go see next month. Yeah. If any paper people in Portland want to join us, we're going to go see Eric Andre. Yeah. At Rev Hall. I think the Legalize Everything tour is what it said. That's right. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect. Me neither. It's <laughs> probably the best way to go into it. Oh, it, it is for sure. All right. Nice little episode preamble. You ready to jump into some news? Let's jump on into it. Well, since we only have one story today and you found it, would you like to present the news this week? Sure, why not? All right. I uh, found that it looks like Jenna Fisher is selling some limited edition office-related shirts, sweaters... Long sleeve tees, of course. Can't forget that. And mugs. Uh, they're decorated with the whitest sneakers award. And I feel God in this Chili's tonight. <laughs> I love that one. And uh, similar to Rain Wilson and his work with Lita Haiti. Haiti. I don't know why I can't say Haiti just, correctly when yeah, I say it with Lita. You can't. You can't get that out. It's <laughs> no. funny. Lita Haiti. Is it Lida or Lida? I have no idea. The accent's on the E, so I'm going to lean towards Lida. Lida. Yeah. Lee Day, Lee Day Haiti. Yeah, I go Lee Day Haiti. It is hard. The the A into the mm-hmm. H sound is, does isn't natural. Well, I'm sorry for imputing an entire nation as we go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, Haiti. Um, but anyway, yes, similar to Rain Wilson, she is doing this for charity, and the proceeds are benefiting several charities. One of them is Kind, which is an acronym for Kids in Need of Defense. They provide legal representation to unaccompanied immigrant and refugee children connect them with health services crisis intervention and educational opportunities and they also offer family reunification and reintegration support to children who are required to return to their home countries uh, we've also got girls on the run st louis a nonprofit program empowering girls in third through eighth grade for the lifetime of healthy living um, they teach training for 5k events along with interactive lessons that include self-esteem enhancing activities with uplifting workouts aimed to develop uh, women or girls physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Hmm. Um, It's also going to comfort crew for military kids, ensuring all military children receive the support they need to thrive. Uh, Adopt Together, which is a non-profit crowdfunding platform that bridges the gap between families who want to adopt and children that need homes. And that is all of them. All good causes, it sounds are. like. Yeah, so I like it. If you want to buy some shirts, 
Um, we'll definitely have a link to that in our show notes, similar to Rain Wilson's charity in uh, yes. our last show notes. So be on the lookout for that. And and yeah. I did. I gave to his charity, so I'm really hoping to win that uh, prize. Oh, man. Well, I uh, I need to get on that, too. Do it. Yeah, I've not done that yet. All right, so if we each get a plus one... <laughs> Obviously. We're the other person's plus one. Maybe we can say that there's a stipulation that we need to, uh, you know... We have a podcast, and we need to come as two people. Oh, yeah. And we need to interview Rain Wilson at Benihana's <laughs> about his experiences shooting The Office. Oh, man, that would be so much fun to brainstorm over questions and... That would be amazing. Figuring out, like, uh, you know, the flow of an interview. That would be really fun. Do you think uh, Rain Wilson would try too hard at a charity auction lunch and, you know, be too affable? He'd start bringing up our names and, you know, making silly jokes and playing the glasses. (laughs) You ever do this with your mouth? Maybe. We can only hope. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be into it, honestly. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move into this episode. Let's do it. Season 2, episode 20. 26th overall. Oh, you're waiting for me. I gave you ample opportunity. Well, we got too high before doing this, so, uh, you know. That's what happens when you smoke doobies with your brothers. Right, I've got a lot of brothers, and they've got a lot of doobies, <laughs> and we had to smoke all of them. There are a lot of those floating around this city, for sure. (laughs) That's a true story. Title of the episode is Drug Testing. Aired April 27th, 2006. Literally a week after 420. Yeah. (laughs) I also noticed one of the clips that I took for this episode ends at the 420 mark, which I particularly enjoyed. Oh, shit. Yeah. 7.8 million viewers watched this episode the night it aired. Maybe. Asterisk. If you've listened to the last episode, you know what we mean. Right. This episode was directed by none other than one Greg Daniels. Gregory Daniels, you say? Yes. The one and only. Man, whenever that guy sits on the directing chair, you know you're in for something good. He really knows a thing or two about directing an episode. I felt like this one, it... Seems like it takes about five minutes to finish when you watch it. At least to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. I feel like there's some episodes that drag from time to time. This one, I I feel like if you asked me to describe it, it'd be like there's two scenes. (laughs) I know. It's about a minute and a half long. Right? And then it's done. And then it's done. Yeah. Yeah. It always, it it does. Whenever we get to the scene where Jenna Fisher is pushing the coke to Jim, I'm always like, wait, we're here already? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's wild. And it was written by one Jennifer Salata. That being said, let's jump into some trivia. Trivia. Uh, The cast and crew joke that this episode must have been the most times any television show has said the word (laughs) urine. The word urine is used 16 times in this episode. They always really enunciate it when they say it, too, I noticed. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, Steve Carell injured his finger in this episode, and it swelled up so much... That he couldn't get his wedding ring off of his finger. Mm-hmm. So instead, they just wrapped a bandage around the ring. So he still appeared single and untethered. I mean, what would happen if they got an impromptu visit from the lovely, lovely Jan? She'd have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. She'd have a lot of questions. Mr. Chance, Jan. Sorry. 
Yeah. Lady named Carol now. Yeah. <laughs> Despite Dwight's hardline aversion to the illegal substance, season nine's The Farm would reveal that Dwight's brother, Jeb, actually grows marijuana for a living. Though the fact that he lives in California, where the drug can, under license, be grown and sold for medicinal purposes, along with, as stated in a talking head, being the pain management business, implies that he does so legally. Indeed. Although that Dwight was, does seem judgmental about him. That was quite a complex sentence. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started it, and then I was like, man, I really hope this ends up making sense by the time I get to the end. Yeah, sometimes when I write these sentences, Rob, I don't know where they're going. I just hope that I find them along the way. You did. You found your, you found your way on that one. I'm impressed. Uh, according to a deleted scene, if Dwight got his badge from the gift shop as his as a volunteer sheriff's deputy, then he was likely impersonating a police officer, which is a felony. <laughs> that is true. There's That's... also uh, the other deleted scene we saw where the police officer seemed very interested to speak to Dwight when he was tendering his resignation about all the various ways that he's helped the department in his free time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Started a tape recorder. <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, in this episode, the office park security guard's name tag reads Tate, but he is known as Hank later in the series, and he's known as Hank in this episode as well. I noticed that's right. they they refer to him as Hank, even though the name tag very clearly says Tate. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Tate definitely isn't a nickname for Hank. Could be Hank Tate. Could Maybe be. He just has his last name on his nickname for some reason. Yeah. Or on his name badge. We'll have to keep an eye out next time he appears. But uh, See if his name tag says Hank or if it says Tate. Oh, yeah. So maybe his his last name could be Tate. Although it's weird to have a, a name name badge or name tag. Right. With your last name. Right. Although, do hmm. police officers? Do police officers have their names? No, yeah, there? and I guess it is because he's it is their Officer last Blank. Name. And Although it would still last be weird name. for a security guard. It would. Which is security guard many steps Tate. away from a police officer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Security officer Tate. Yeah. Moving on to our next piece of trivia. Jim's impression of Stanley in this episode was inspired by John Krasinski's actual talent of doing impressions on the set. He was pretty good in that deleted scene, too. Yeah, he does facial a, expressions. a number of other characters. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a rubber face. He really does. Yeah. He's like Gumby with hair. <laughs> <laughs> this was the last episode of the season to be filmed, but not the last to air. Interesting. Yeah, we've only got two left, I believe, after this yeah. season. Oh, yeah. We are up. rapidly approaching mm -hmm. the end of season two. The shot of Dwight walking to return his uniform at the police station is located in downtown Van Nuys. Only several blocks from Rain Wilson's actual house. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, let's get into the plot of this episode and... Let's do it. Tear this bad boy open. Done with the trivia. Let's spark this joint. Smoke <laughs> it. Smoke it down to the end. What strain is it? Northern Lights Cannabis Indica. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if uh, the picture that they show actually is Northern Lights Cannabis Indica and had planned to do a Google image search to check along with the pause screen and uh, forgot about it up until right now. So 
I would be surprised if even the most well-versed of marijuana producers in this state or in any state that it's legal would be able to identify many buds just by sight. It would be an impressive feat. Really would. Yeah. All right. So we get a cold open. Let's jump in. Yeah. The episode opens with a shot of Kevin (laughs) eating a pastry (laughs) before he is interrupted by Dwight, who is dressed as a police officer. Kevin Malone, you're next. Spit that out. Spit. Okay, come on, let's go. You look cute today, Dwight. Thanks, girl. So, yesterday, Dwight found half a joint in the parking lot. Which is unfortunate because, as it turns out, Dwight finding drugs is more dangerous than most people using drugs. Let's go over some of the symptoms of marijuana use, shall we? You tell me who this sounds like. Slow moving. Inattentive. Dull. Constantly snacking. Shows a lack of motivation. Hey. I like the people I work with generally, with four exceptions. But someone committed a crime, and I did not become a Lackawanna County Volunteer Sheriff's Deputy to make friends. And by the way, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) So in the beginning, I I need to point this out because I really find it funny. Please do. When Dwight tells Kevin to spit out what he's eating, Kevin looks at him defiantly and just ends up shoving the rest of the donut (laughs) into his mouth. And Dwight gives up on making him spit it out and just... He seems really disappointed that Kevin didn't spit it out and ate it instead, too. Of course. <laughs> I like that Dwight needs to be able to wield that small amount of authority over his right. co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I also want to say I feel like Kevin's slow response to Dwight's accusations <laughs> yeah. are somehow, at least to me, maybe even funnier just without any video component. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of I I don't or no it did make it into the episode but uh the blooper always cracks me up where David Wallace randomly comes to the office and says hello everybody and after like 15 seconds go by Kevin is just like hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they both just lose their shit. <laughs> yeah. So we find out in this clip that Dwight generally likes his co-workers with four exceptions. And we know of only 12 people who work in this office. Yep. So, it's funny. Carrie and I watched this episode together. Mm-hmm. And we did this exact thing where we tried to figure out who the four people are. Oh, yeah. That Dwight doesn't like. Who do you think? Who'd you guys come up with? We or came, each of you, rather. You could have different opinions. Yeah, I think we settled on the same four. Uh, Jim is obvious. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, I also feel like Dwight is not a huge fan of. Okay. Just generally finds him useless to a degree. Okay. You know? Uh I decided Toby was one of them only because Michael dislikes Toby so much. 
Mm, and because of that, Dwight being an ally to Michael just automatically files Toby into his dislike category. And I don't know if we ever settled definitively on a fourth. I think I was bouncing between Meredith and Stanley. Interesting. Yeah. I've got a very different list from you. Oh, great. Let's hear yeah. it. So my list, I might as well start with uh, the similar link we have, which is Jim. Of course. You know, mm-hmm. no brainer there. Yeah. But then my list takes a very different turn. Okay. And I would include Ryan based on all of their interactions up uh, to this point and after it. No, Ryan was one that we were discussing too. I just okay. forgot about him. Yeah. So I would say for sure, in my opinion, Ryan is one of them. Mm-hmm. I would say Toby, that's another good one that I hadn't necessarily thought about, but your logic's pretty airtight, so I'm going to throw him on my list. Okay. And so I guess our list is half the same. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one, now that I only have one left, I really got to narrow this down. You do. I had a couple thoughts. I'm not sure who's more intently disliked. Let's see. It's really distracting. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I would say the other one would be uh, Kelly. Really? Yeah. I think that initially Dwight liked Kelly, hence his whole, he's attracted to two races, white people and Indians, as he awkwardly looks at Kelly sitting next to her. But he's been dating Angela for a while, who hates Kelly Kapoor more than any human being maybe that's ever existed. Hmm. And I'm willing to bet that they've shared their mutual likes and dislikes of people in the office at this point. Hmm. And uh, See, I feel like Dwight has a little bit of a soft spot for Kelly. Maybe because she maybe finds him attractive and has made moves on him. And That's true. You know, it's hard to like, you know really dislike that compared to other people in the office maybe maybe not i don't know i don't know either yeah hmm i mean they certainly would not make a good couple if that was if that had ever been explored they're they're polar opposites i just thought of my actual one that i I didn't think of cut everything before right now this all all needs to go we'll see at least before recently (laughs) Uh, my real answer for the fourth person I think that Dwight does not like in the office, even though we have not seen any of their interactions, I'm basing this mostly on future interactions, is Oscar. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny because Oscar is almost partially responsible for him and Angela getting together in the end. That's true, in some ways. And I guess he, well... Oscar owes him one gigantic favor, redeemable at Dwight's <laughs> point of choosing, so maybe that's a bad answer. Maybe I should stick with Kelly. See, the reason I was I was thinking Stanley is because Stanley defies him at every moment. He completely disregards any authority that Dwight thinks he has over him. Well, this raises one question in my mind, Rob, that I ask of you. What's that? What is the ratio of Shrewdbucks to Stanley Nichols? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, case in point. Or the ratio of the value, rather. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's true. But I, I feel like D- Dwight hasn't really been in a position to be defied by Stanley yet. Well, we see a deleted scene where that, that exactly happens. That's true. <laughs> so, I guess that's a good point. I think he does like Kevin, though. I know Kevin was on your list. and I, Well, I, he fi- he's, Kevin's the only person he fires when he becomes manager. 
yeah, but he explains to Kevin that he only fired Kevin because he was terrible at his job. Right. And he couldn't be an accountant. He didn't have any accounting skills. His personal hygiene was terrible. <laughs> and his computer was so filthy that they just had to, what, throw it away, I think? So, yeah. I mean, and, you know, he gave Kevin a big hug once they reconciled in that episode. Yeah. And Jim and had noticed Dwight drawing Kevin on a Wooly Willy. That's right. Because he missed him. And uh, like you said in the last episode, when Kevin finds out that uh, his biopsy came back negative for cancer, you said Dwight you was noticed something. Dwight was like very enthusiastically he happy. He did. He looked yeah. genuinely happy. Yeah, so maybe not Kevin. Yeah. I think he's always had a weird soft spot for Kevin. And, you know, I was mentioning Meredith, but I don't know why he would necessarily dislike meredith she certainly doesn't hold his same values or just general outlook in life that's true but but she's the only one of his co-workers that knows how to properly headbang hmm. to motorhead was it yeah it's true yeah i don't know that fourth person is a mystery yeah well now that we're past the cold open rob uh before we jump into this, I mean to ask you yet another question. One of my many so far this episode. All right, let's hear it. Which is, uh, what do you prefer? Mayonnaise or one of the alternate versions? I enjoy the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. <laughs> which is completely false because I actually hate Miracle Whip. I think it's disgusting. I'm not a fan of Miracle Whip either. Yeah. Death, Apparently Stanley likes it. Death to fake mayo. That's what I say. Ooh. You're not on board with Stanley at all. Death to false mayo. Wow. Those are some harsh words. Yeah, I don't... We don't turn off any paper people. This is like maybe this one of the strongest stances we've taken Hey, this podcast. If you're gonna if you're gonna quit the podcast because of my hatred towards Miracle Whip, I didn't want you listening in the first place. Wow! <laughs> well, Rob does not speak for me, listeners, and if you really? like Miracle Whip... I still want you to listen to our podcast. Okay, so it. what are your thoughts on this subject? I like mayonnaise way more than Miracle Whip. I can't stand it. Okay. But I don't have, like, a internalized hatred for people that <laughs> have a different taste than I do regarding I, it. I never said I hated the people. Okay. No. Just I just said patronage. death to false mayonnaise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But then you said you don't want people to... Not, to, not, to de <laughs> not death to consumers of false mayonnaise. That's what I heard. No, that's way more intense. I've seen the pictures you drew, Rob. I mean, they were crude and done with crayon, but you drew them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I don't think I ever had Miracle Whip until college. Really? Living with Ryan Z. He was a fan of the Miracle Whip. Oh, my God, was he ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he put it on everything. I remember that. It's too sweet. It it has a lot of sugar in it. There's a it's intense sweetness. Blah. Ugh. And that tanginess Stanley's referring to definitely exists too. I don't know what it is, but I don't care for that either. Me either. Quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. I like the. I mean, real mayonnaise has a tang to it, but it's so much better than... Yeah, it's a more subtle tang. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I can grow to like it if all mayonnaise was vanquished off the face of the planet and I had to get by with Miracle Whip. Maybe I could get used to it, but... I mean, mayonnaise is actually pretty easy to make. All chickens disappear. <laughs> 
You could still use mayo. you could still use duck eggs or an ostrich egg. All birds are gone. All birds are gone. <laughs> well then, I would resort to lizard eggs. All right. Nice. With that, let's jump into this episode. All right. Or rather, with that line, we find ourselves thrust into the episode <laughs> with Jim giving Pam a spirited Stanley impression. Pam goes on to explain that Jim does great impressions of everyone in the office and will sometimes just look up at her from his desk and be someone else entirely. She then proceeds to do a great silent Phyllis where she's just looking up out of the rim of her glasses, as Phyllis does. She's not even wearing glasses and she's still... Well, no, but I mean, it. she's... Right. That's what Phyllis does, so that's what But Pam somehow I see, I see that, I see Phyllis on her face when she does that. We then find ourselves back in the interrogation room, slash conference room, where Dwight is now questioning Kelly. And the guys are saying, chug, 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 but I'm so small, and all I'd eaten that day was one of those Auntie M pretzels from the food court. So I said, is it okay if I sip it? And they said no, but Ryan seemed cool either way. Stop! This is not Kelly Kapoor's story hour. Illegal drugs were consumed on company property, okay? Your ass is on the line, mister! My ass is on the line. Now, I'm going to ask you again. What time did you go home last night? Six. I didn't know that you were at a party on Saturday night. I go to a lot of parties. Okay, I'm going to need to search your car. Give me your keys. I am not giving you my keys. Don't make me do this the hard way. What's the hard way? I go down to the police station on my lunch break. I tell a police officer, I know several, what I suspect you may have in your car. He requests a hearing from a judge and obtains a search warrant. Once he has said warrant, he will drive over here and make you give him the keys to your car, and you will have to obey him. Yeah, let's do it that way. Right. Is he bugging you? Dwight, dude, you gotta take a chill pill, man. It was one joint in the parking lot. You know, you're... You're totally harshing the office mellow. I can't stop this investigation. It is my job. Whoa, well, you are a volunteer. I volunteered for this job. And that's not the same. It is my duty. Volunteer duty. To investigate the crime scene. I have six more interviews to go, and then I will reveal what I know. <coughs> Narc! <laughs> if you're attempting to compliment me, then you have done a very good job. I wasn't attempting to compliment you. Well, you have, I, well, because being an arc is one of the hardest jobs that you can have. Okay. And I am very proud Why of being Why don't you just arc. cool it, cool it, so, Dwight, please? God, dude, where's my office? I totally lost it because I was half-baked, smoking doobies. Doobie brothers, I was smoking doobies with my brothers. Peace out, Seacrest. Well, your office is behind you. Thanks. Munchies. Who wants some munchies? I don't think Michael's ever done drugs. I don't know if anyone's ever offered him any. <laughs> True words. I don't think anyone has ever offered Michael Scott drugs. Yeah, I have a hard time picturing when anybody would think that that would be something they'd want to see. Maybe Packer, but Packer doesn't. I mean, we don't ever get any inkling that he uses drugs, just tons of alcohol. Yeah, I feel like if Packer. I, I feel like it would be in line for his character to use drugs like maybe coke or something like that yeah but it strikes me that he would be aware enough of the world 
to rightfully see that Michael's not the person to bring in on something like that and to just never offer Michael any drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I just... If you're doing something illegal and you're trying to keep a secret, would you ever bring in Michael Scott? No. <laughs> Hell no. I mean, how long does he keep Jim's secret? Half a day? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a day and a half if you count the weekend. Right. So... Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I'm curious, so when's the first time uh, you were ever offered drugs? Uh, I was 14 years old. The gentleman's name was Tom Cruise, only it was spelled... I was going to be like, whoa, there's a lot of of stuff dropping on this podcast. I know. So not that Tom Cruise. Not that Tom Cruise, Uh, no. This is... Oh, I don't was wanna... he a contemporary? Maybe I should take out the part where I literally spell out his last name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, was this like a grown adult or no? Oh, we okay. were we were both fourteen at the time, I believe. My mom's gonna hear this now. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's okay. Yeah, and i I didn't smoke it again for like another two years. So, and honestly, I don't think I got high the first time. You know, a lot of people say that I just wasn't inhaling properly. So I didn't, I got nothing. Yeah. I think most people don't. Right. I think the first time I ever smoked pot, I didn't get high either. So, yeah. And, uh, I remember, I remember specifically it was after school on a Friday. We were in high school. It was freshman year. And I don't know. I just went over to his house after school to hang out, blah, blah, blah. And my dad came to pick me up. I had my learner's permit. Oh, I had my learner's permit. So I was 15. Okay. I must have just gotten it because I was still very uncomfortable driving. But we only lived like a mile and a half away from this guy. So my dad let me drive. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, again, I didn't get high. Uh, but so I guess that's not that bad. Had you, but had you asked me? Yeah, yeah. Had you asked me at the time, I, I might have said like I felt a little something, which is possible, but I don't think I did. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, in order to not get in trouble for smoking weed, I was just like, sure, I'll drive. And I did fine. Right. What about you? Uh, The first time I was offered, I was in fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. So how old are you in fifth grade? 11? 12? Whatever age that is. Yeah, yeah. That's about right. That's when I was offered the first time. So I have to assume, at least clearly, I was kind of a cool kid. So I got that going for me, for the young me. But yeah, and I was too scared. I was too young. I felt I was too young, so I did not consider it. I didn't tell anybody until years later. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I was friends with the person that did it. Right. And didn't want to get them in trouble. But... Don't want to be a narc. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to compliment me, Rob, then you have done so. <laughs> One thing that confuses me about this clip is when he says, Peace out, Seacrest. What is that in reference to? So I saw that there was actually a bit of trivia that uh, I did not add to the trivia because I didn't find it compelling enough on its own, but that does answer that question that I guess apparently Ryan Seacrest used to end his transmissions famously by saying peace out all the time and was the only person that did that at the time. Oh. So Michael Scott was basically taking Ryan Seacrest's peace out, but then adding Seacrest in a way that, like, because he never obviously said peace out seacrest you know called out his own name right at the end of a show okay it's just michael scott being michael scott essentially you know just combining 
you know, Peace Out is probably something that he puts together with, like, hippies in general. But it's also from Seacrest, so he just added Seacrest. I don't know. That's my takeaway. So, this was prior to Ryan Seacrest's uh, American Idol days? It's probably synonymous with it. Similar time period, maybe a little after. So he would say that on American Idol. I think so. And other things. I mean, Ryan Seacrest has done quite a lot. Probably at this point. Yeah, Yeah, for unrelated reasons, recently I actually ended up looking up Ryan Seacrest. And that guy is a mogul, just straight up. Yeah, He went from hosting American Idol to having his own production company. And that guy is just absurdly rich. Yeah. Jay-Z level, but for TV, basically. Okay. Yeah, he just is. He has his hands in everything. What did he do? Was he like the executive producer of American Idol? He might have been. I I don't. I didn't look that deep into it. I just saw kind of how much stuff he had affiliated with himself now, and was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And his estimated net worth, which is just ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it is Ryan Seacrest. I know. I. That's just one of those lines. I was like, I don't understand that. I mean. Is Ryan Seacrest like a a known pothead or? Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's just Michael. Oh, Michael. <laughs> Classic Michael. Yeah. All right. Apparently, he's still on American Idol. Yeah, I believe it. I just looked up. I forgot his net worth is estimated to be one point six billion dollars. Good lord! Right. He founded Razor, so apparently they do quite a lot. Razor. Uh, it's spelled like the scooters, but I can't imagine if they are the scooter that they're. It's from that, or maybe it's not. It's R A Z E R. Oh, so maybe it's not like the scooter. I don't know. Moving forward, we cut to Dwight spying on Oscar from the conference room as he works at his desk. He says Oscar went to Mexico when he was five for his great grandmother's funeral, and says that to a United States law enforcement officer, it means he is a potential drug mule. Oh, man. (laughs) Cut to the conference room. There's Oscar sitting across from Dwight. Dwight is now interrogating him. He starts by asking Oscar if he's ever taken any illegal drugs, to which Oscar replies he has not. He then asks Oscar if it is possible he has any drugs in his system without (laughs) him knowing about it. Oscar asks Dwight what he's implying. And... Dwight asks him if he has ever pooped a balloon. (laughs) Oscar decides he's had enough and tells Dwight that he's done. He gets up and he leaves, as he should have, because that was a pretty absurd and racist line of questioning. (laughs) Well, he sure left in a hurry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dwight. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And also, Dwight mentions that he was there when he was five. That's the last time he knows of Oscar being in Mexico. Right. Which, so, which is probably why he asked him in that manner. But it would still somehow make because... him a suspect for the joint of the parking lot today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no answer to that. That's a good point. Uh, we see a brief shot of Dwight in the parking lot measuring the distance from the joint to the door. <laughs> and he does this reenactment of what it would be like somebody smoking this joint and just <laughs> yeah. flicking it onto the parking lot asphalt. He has like a red pointer stick <laughs> yeah. defining the trajectory. Oh, it's absurd. <laughs> Somehow that gives him information. <laughs> and as he's doing this, he's explaining in a voiceover that 
He doesn't want to blow this because all law enforcement officers dream of the opportunity to solve an <laughs> actual crime. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm pretty sure most don't. No, I think they 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 do that enough routinely, and the rest of their day is probably, I imagine, <laughs> spent hoping that it's not the day you get murdered by someone crazy. Plus, that'd be my guess. Any real police officer would see a joint on the ground, and they would likely just ignore it, or the diligent ones would just pick it up and dispose of it so nobody else got a hold of it. Yeah, what are they going to do with that? Yeah, nothing. Best case scenario, if they chose to pursue it, it would just be a bunch of paperwork for them that goes nowhere, because that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's an impossible crime to solve, really. Maybe it's because they didn't measure the distance (laughs) from the joint to the door and chart out the trajectory of the toss. And this doesn't spoil anything in the episode, but in a deleted scene, we find that it's Gene and Leo right, who are responsible for the joint. Of course. And they just casually flick it to the ground as they walk into the office building and talk about getting lunch. So, And I can't imagine Bob Vance would care at all to know that his warehouse employees were doing that unless it somehow affected their job. He might, but I doubt Gene. Maybe. And, you know, Gene and Leo, you know, they're, they're peons. They're just... Aaron boys, it seems so. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it doesn't seem like a you know. Yeah. That right. They need to do embellish their resumes for. And, it's yeah. true. It's true. So now we cut back to the conference room where Dwight is continuing his interrogations. Do you know what this is? Yes, it's marijuana. How do you know that? It's labeled. Damn it. That is Northern Lights Cannabis Indica. No. It's marijuana. I'm just saying that you can't be sure that it wasn't you. That's ridiculous. Of course it wasn't me. Marijuana is a memory loss drug, so maybe you just don't remember. I would remember. Well, how could you if it just erased your memory? That's not how it works. Now, how do you know how it works? Knock it off, okay? I'm interviewing you. No, you said that I'd be conducting the interview when I walked in here. Now, exactly how much pot did you smoke? (laughs) (laughs) Dwight's facial expression there at the end is great. Yeah, Jim accuses him. He he genuinely considers... He's like, oh, I'm in trouble. This could be the case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love how Jim's, like, holding up the picture to him, and I don't know. You said I would be conducting the interview when I came in here. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way Dwight really said that. Well, no, but Jim is stating that, you know, Dwight wouldn't remember that he said that to him because of how much pot he smoked. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I get it. That's great. All right. That's funny. Uh, This is... We've been been seeing Jim with some some masterful turnarounds on Dwight recently. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't bring it up in the last episode, but when... uh, Dwight asks Jim where he's been when he had been at the drugstore. And he says, I've been looking for you everywhere. I kicked open every stall in the bathroom. Yeah, Jim's don't like, lie and say you're in the bathroom. Well, that would be a gross invasion of privacy, and I'm going to tell Michael. <laughs> Dwight goes, no, don't, please. And Jim looks at him like, you owe me. <laughs> Even though Jim had been skipping out on work all afternoon. Right. <laughs> Jim knows what he's doing. He does. So we bounce back to the break room now. And Oscar mentions to Jim that he heard he does a great Stanley impression. <laughs> oh, Pam told me you do a great Stanley impression. I'd love to hear it. Oh, um... 
Why do you keep CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me? <laughs> Is that supposed to be me? Oh, hey, Stanley. Uh, I was just doing an impression. I do not think that is funny. He does everyone in the office. Hmm. I, I do, do not, not think, think that, that is funny. funny. Jinx, buy me a Coke. Oh. No, 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 no talking. Jim is not allowed to talk until after he buys me a Coke. Those are the rules of Jinx, and they are unflinchingly rigid. Sold out! That has never happened in the history of Jinx. Sorry, that's not my problem. Now we have the second main hook of the episode. Yes. Jim can't talk. Jinx, he's jinxed. Yep, until he buys Pam a Coke. And the rules of Jinx are unflinchingly rigid. Right. Rigid to the point where you can't even buy her a different <laughs> flavor of soda. I do love how activated Pam gets at this. She's, yeah, she's uh, very activated this whole episode, it's, I noticed. It's great. Like I really love it. Joyful, jubilant Pam. Yeah. Yeah. And I love all of her little antics to try and get, trying to get Jim to talk. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know what Jim should have done? What's that? Should have bought her a peach iced tea. She'd hate it. <laughs> You're gonna hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so after this clip, we see Jim again try the machine in vain, trying to get that non-existent coke out of there yeah it just presses the same button again yeah. which in jim's defense i feel like oh i'd be that sometimes works i'd be slamming that button it's worked in the past yeah back in our interrogation chamber <laughs> <laughs> dwight is talking to angela and tells her that he knows she is innocent but can't appear to treat her any differently she says she understands and he gets in her face aggressively asking Slash shouting, where were you after work? He slams his hand onto the table. Oh, yeah. Gets in her face, and she kind of squirms in her chair a little bit and gives a little smirk. Oh, she's digging it. Oh, yeah. Very much so. This is alpha male Dwight right mm -hmm. now. This is the Dwight that Angela <laughs> likes to see. This is the Dwight that teases latchkey kids and <laughs> makes them go crying to their mothers. Yeah, she really does like that. That's her father was a very strong disciplinarian. That's true. She only hopes her mate would have some of those same qualities. <laughs> and maybe Dwight also smells like her dad. Yeah. I mean I mean according to Dwight later in the series, you know, that's Yeah. That's who he decides uh Pam is gonna pick out of mm -hmm. Jim and Roy. So from here we move back out to the main floor. Michael's coming out and we're going to see what he has to say about all of this drug talk. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Who's he calling? Ratting somebody out. Nark. Nark. Kevin. That is so good, Remember Michael. the Nark bit? <laughs> okay. I will let them know. Uh-oh. Attention, everyone. Trouble? Drug testers are coming in a couple of hours to test everyone's urine. What? What? What are you talking about? Company policy. If drugs are found on the premises, there's automatic drug testing conducted within 24 hours. Is that true, Toby? Oh, when you sign your job application, you agree to comply with random drug testing. 
Two nights ago, I went to an Alicia Keys concert at the Montage Mountain Performing Arts Center. I scored these great aisle seats. Anyway, after the opening act, this beautiful girl sits down next to me, and I never get to meet girls with lip rings, and she had one. I don't know exactly how this happened, but one of her friends started passing around some stuff, and they said that it was clove cigarettes, and I'm sure that it was clove cigarettes. Everybody in the aisle was doing it. Okay, attention, everyone. The drug testing has been canceled. Instead, I will be going around to each of you and doing a visual inspection. No, you can't do that. I can do that. It is my office. No, you cannot. It has to be official, and it has to be urine. Uh, all right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Michael trying to cancel the drug test. It's hilarious that... He says he's going to go around and just do a visual inspection. Right. What is that going to tell you about anything? I don't know. I mean, maybe if somebody were high right then and there. But would Michael even be qualified to make that determination? (laughs) No way. No way. I mean, the only way that we can even assume Michael's ever been high is if he's right in in his fears that he just laid out that he accidentally got stoned at the Alicia Keys concert, but it... (laughs) doesn't sound that way to me i feel like michael is just being crazy in this episode like i really i mean don't don't you think he would have some inkling of if he got stoned or not the only thing that stands out to me is he says they were passing around clove cigarettes I, everybody was doing it but i do you th- I, I mean why would th- somebody give someone weed at a concert and tell them it's a clove cigarette Unless that, Michael's just lying that, and, and trying who, to who passes, make himself innocent. Who passes around a cigarette? That doesn't seem like something... No, that's true. So maybe Michael's lying here and he did smoke weed with people at an Alicia Keys concert? Yeah, maybe he's bringing up the clove cigarette bit to kind of cover his ass He's a trying to bit. cover himself in case he gets if drug he gets tested. Caught, like, yeah. well, I thought it was clove cigarettes. You know, the footage right. clearly indicates that I said that. Interesting. Maybe Michael knew he was going to get stoned with a girl with lip ring. I also gets to meet girls with lip rings. I also don't feel like Michael would be fired on the spot had he failed this drug test. No, no, I doubt it. He's too high up. He's corporate, right? He's got a corporate lawyer on retainer, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got James P. Albini. That's right from the billboards, from the billboards, <laughs> and the bus station ads. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's an odd turn of events. I've never been past a cigarette at a concert, especially one that's like passed around to everybody. That just right. that that alone is very odd to me. If it were in fact clove cigarettes, so unless the cigarettes are like dipped in LSD or something, but I feel like Michael would definitely know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would. There'd be no wondering if it was a funny cigarette. No. So moving forward, we see Dwight now asking accounting about drugs they are taking, prescription drugs. And he asks Kevin what drugs he takes besides Rogaine, to which Kevin replies, I don't take Rogaine. (laughs) (laughs) Dwight then moves on to Angela, who claims she isn't on anything. And Dwight's taken aback by this, so he reconfirms with her, and she gives him a look. And says she's on nothing. To which he replies, good. And we see Kevin and Oscar kind of looking back and forth between Dwight and Angela. Like, what's going on? Yeah. 
So what's your takeaway from this scene? Because clearly we have different takes. Yeah, no, my takeaway is that she's not on birth control and this makes Dwight happy because she is in a state that she's ready to bear children. Really? He's excited that she's not on birth control because it's possible for her to get pregnant. You think Dwight wants kids right now? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's never talked about it before or given any indication whatsoever that he wants children. I mean, if she says that she wasn't on anything why would he say good well to when he first asked her if she's taking any medications she says no and to me it looked like the same he got the same look on his face as if somebody was about to cross a a wooden drawbridge that was attached with ropes and suddenly one of the ropes snapped right before you're about to take your first step he looked like the ground dropped out from under him like he was suddenly terrified and he looked at her again and was like so you're not on anything and then she kind of gave him like a come on dude like look and tilted her head to the side while staring at him and he seemed a little relieved then like it looked like he was super stressed out at her first answer and then after she kind of gave him a look he was like oh okay good like relieved like she Mm. gave him a non-verbal indicator like no you idiot like I am on birth control. Like, they have not been dating that long. Yeah, and they have been having a lot of sex. Yeah. It seems like a fairly new relationship. I don't think he's looking to have any kids at this point. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But like I said, it took me a lot of... I did that, like, at least that many times by myself to be like, okay, I'm really... Need to see what these looks are and where this is going. Interesting. I Mm. never took it that way before, but now that you mention it, I think you're right. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I could still be wrong, but yeah. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. You can still have birth control without being on prescription drugs, though. You know, an IUD isn't a prescription drug. Right. Well, that, I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily, I would say, that look is that she's saying, no, I am on birth control. Just more of like, I got it covered. You know, it's, you don't. Yeah. Like, not, like, because I feel like when Dwight asked that question of Angela, he wasn't even really thinking about it. He was just going on autopilot, going around the office and didn't even think about how the question is a little more significant right until when he's asking her until she responded until she said no yeah and then he was just like oh wait like oh man <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> huh, like it seemed like he was expecting her to say like yeah birth control or something yeah yeah you're right so yeah it could be i mean she could be using any method you know sponge dental dam whatever you know <laughs> sponge was that a real form of birth control it still is huh yeah that can't be that effective it's not. Okay. No. Good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're back in the break room now. <laughs> are we? We are. Like we're still in Rite Aid with Jim and Pam in California. <laughs> <laughs> we see Kelly talking Jim's ear off about a dress she wore on a date, but she's interrupted by Pam, who comes in and asks what they're talking about. And Kelly tells Pam that she and Jim are having the best conversation <laughs> as Jim emphatically shakes his head no silently at Pam, still still being quiet because of the jinx. Right. Yeah. She's clearly been going for a while about yes. the stress. And Jim has been doing nothing but giving her like facial expressions. <laughs> and there's one point where she gets really excited about the new dress and... 
as she gets excited, Jim kind of makes an excited face and lifts up his shoulders like he's excited. That's right when Pam finally leaves after telling them they should finish up. Yeah, he like oh yeah really leans into it and <laughs> yeah. like I, I feel like it's really working against Jim at this point that he has a very animated, expressive face that. I, I don't think that if it was Kevin in that room, even if Kelly was for whatever reason inclined to bend his ear about some dress and he wasn't responding, yeah, that she would keep going for as long as she would if he just kind of stared blankly at her, as opposed to Jim, who's very animated, getting into it. I feel like if he, if if Jim specifically had just given her a blank stare, she would have asked him why he wasn't talking. Which, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, directly addressing him which i don't I know i don't know mind how... pointing to the vending machine and <laughs> explaining jinx and yeah, charades maybe <laughs> i uh i was gonna say that maybe she would not have noticed though uh, on the other hand either way thinking of the scene much later well not much later but later where um for a bet ryan is asking her how netflix works and as she's explaining it very enthusiastically to him He's just staring down at his wristwatch, timing it the entire time, not yeah. once looking at her, and she does not notice. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so we kind of we kind of got sidetracked here as I was going through the plot, but we did so. Pam interrupts, asks what they're talking about. Kelly tells her, and Jim's kind of you know signaling to Pam like I'm not talking. Help me! Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of this conversation, but I can't say anything. And instead of helping him, Pam. Explains that Michael wants everyone in the conference room, but everyone's got a couple minutes, so they should just stay and finish their conversation. <laughs> and Jim gives her a look like, oh, I hate you. And it's then, an impressed look, though. It's the, like, yep, that's I true. get it. I yeah. see what you're doing, and touché, I would do the same. Pam. Yeah. Touche. Very much a touche look. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Kelly continues on, and Jim keeps playing along. I feel like this also, as enjoyable as this scene is, I could see why in later seasons, everybody in the office is kind of just over both Jim and Pam in general. All of their coworkers are just like, ugh. Because <laughs> yeah. they're really, I mean, even though Kelly's being Kelly in this scene and just like oblivious and annoying, mm-hmm. they're basically just treating her as like a prop for the, both of their like mutual amusements. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. They kind of give off an air like... They're above it, in a way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It does make for some good moments, though. Oh, I mean, Jim and Pam are great. They are. I'm just saying I get why their coworkers aren't as taken with them as they are with themselves. I agree with you. So after this, we find ourselves in the conference room. It's a Michael meeting not to be missed. A lot of M's there. Here we go. And a lot of minutes in this clip. (laughs) It's true. It has come to my attention that some people here think that the use of drugs is something to laugh about. We don't feel that way. No, not at all. You were the one joking around calling Dwight an arc. No, uh, no. That was a test. I was testing you. And you all failed miserably. When I said that Dwight was a narc, how many of you defended him? How many of you said, hey, you know what? He's right. What he's doing is protecting this office from the evils of drugs. Thank you, Michael. I am ridiculously anti-drug. I am so anti-drug that I am above suspicion in any way that involves suspicion or testing of any kind. Drugs ruin lives, people. Drugs destroy careers. 
Take Cheech and Chong. Everybody knows that Cheech and Chong are funny, but just imagine how funny they would be if they didn't smoke pot. I want everybody to take a look to their left. Now I want everybody to take a look to their right. One of those people will be dead from drug use at some point in their lives. This year, more people will use cocaine than will read a book to their children. Where did you get these facts? Are these facts scaring you or are they not? They are not. Do you think that smoking drugs is cool? Do you think that doing alcohol is cool? No, I don't. I have a glass of red wine with dinner about once a week for the antioxidants. Okay, enough, enough, enough! I have written down a list of illegal drugs. Take a gander. How many of these are you familiar with? Hookah is not an illegal drug, Michael. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's a type of pipe. You can fill it with tobacco, often mixed with fruit or Okay, you know what, Toby? Pam, could you take this down? In addition to Toby's urine being tested, I would like to test his blood and his hair. You can't do that. I can test anyone randomly, and I have chosen you randomly. That's not random. Okay, eeny, meeny, miny, moe is random. Okay, you know what? I'm going to need a volunteer to select one of these words and tell us of something tragic that happened in either their lives or the lives of a loved one. Yeah, Pam. I know that Jim has an amazing story about a relative of his who got caught up in the world of drugs. Really? Mm-hmm. Jim, it's okay. You can... T- this would be a good place to let it out, Jim. These are people you can trust. These are people who care about you. It's okay. Just, we will not judge you. We are here to not judge you. Oh, he's doing it. Okay. It's okay. Oh. Okay, are you sure? That looked like it was going to be good. All right. Okay, well. Wow! He really pulled out the big guns. Fake crying. I did not expect that. The point I'm trying to make with all of this, people, is that I hate drugs. I hate them. And based upon what I have seen... You all don't quite hate them as much as I do. So, you are going to have a drug test, and I am not. No, you will be tested. Yes, I will not be. No, you will be. That is the law according to the rules. Okay, well, Dwight, just know that I've been very busy today, and I've got a lot of work to do, and I wasn't planning on going to the bathroom, and I don't even know if anything's going to come out. Okay? So, good. Thank you. I uh, I love that when Pam or when Michael tells Pam to take this down about that he's going to test Toby's hair and blood as well as his urine, that Pam looks at the camera and just like throws her hands up and looks down like I don't have anything to take. That was apparently <laughs> completely improvised. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I recently discovered that Jenna Fisher has a MySpace blog. MySpace. And, well, I mean, it was popular at the time this was filming. I'm almost more amazed that that's even uh, still up. Well, I don't 
know that it is. Oh, okay. All I know is I that thought you were looking. I got the I got the information. I got that information from somebody who had seen her blog at ah. the time. But uh, yeah, she said that she no- just happened to notice that the camera panned to her after Michael told her to take it down, and she looked at the camera and did that out of character. But they oh. ended up keeping it. They ended up keeping it in the episode because it was funny. Yeah, yeah, it works as a great indication of like I don't even have a notepad. Right. Like, what am I taking down? Yeah. So yeah, that's great. When she's signaling to the camera, I have nothing to write anything down with. It's more Jenna Fisher being like, "You guys didn't give me a pad or pencil for the scene." Makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, that's yeah, cool. It, it kind of works both ways. Yeah, happy accident. Yeah, I also love the earnestness in Dwight's voice as it cracks. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> And I also... uh, He's just been wanting somebody to have his back all day. Right. (laughs) He feels vindicated. Yeah. And I also have a list of, uh, just for our listeners, the drugs that oh, yeah. I was down. I was going to bring this up. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to read it? Uh, I, don't have have a, I don't have the list in front of me. So, so the list is crack, cocaine, pot, blow, <laughs> acid, hookah, heroin, but spelled like a female hero, not like the drug, and speed. <laughs> is there a difference between how those words are spelled? Yeah. Heroin, the drug, has no E at the end. And the heroine that oh. Michael writes down has an E, so okay. yeah, I guess female I, hero. I guess I never knew that. Yep. Okay. And uh, also worth mentioning that uh, while crack is is a form of cocaine, but say, I mean, I've never smoked crack, but from my knowledge of it, it seems different enough from cocaine that it can be listed as a separate drug. Blow is definitely just cocaine, cocaine. Yeah. but the slang for it. Right. Written two notches down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure even cops treat crack differently than coke yeah that would make sense in terms of like just in terms of the amount dosage of possession and stuff yeah. yeah amount of possession versus how much time you get and stuff like that it's right different. but so, that's cops prob- definitely don't have a notch for blow on their forms you know i'm no, sure <laughs> definitely not or for hookah right uh, uh i like that that's michael's drug knowledge all the illegal drugs he knows yeah <laughs> And that Toby knowing what hookah actually is is enough to warrant that uh, Michael is going to test his blood and his hair <laughs> as well as his urine. <laughs> as if any one of those tests is more accurate than another. Right. You know? Well, they're both a lot more invasive than a urine test. That's so. true. That is true. I think he just wants to make an example out of Toby. And I mean, Michael's having this entire conference just as another desperate way to try to get out of being drug tested. Yeah. And he still uses it as an opportunity to, to try to punish Toby for speaking out. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> Points directly at Toby. There, random. And all Toby did was point out how hookah's not an illegal drug. <laughs> <Yeah>. Rightfully so. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So we move into the break room. We get a shot of some urine sample containers in a bag as a woman arranges them with other drug testing equipment. Dwight walks up to introduce himself to the lab tech, Linda, and mentions she might remember him from when she tested his urine so he could be a volunteer sheriff's deputy. She kind of dismisses him and says, oh, we test a lot of urine. (laughs) And mine was green. Dwight says that, (laughs) that his was green. And she looks at him with 
a newfound familiarity and she says, <laughs> oh yeah, how's that doing? To which Dwight replies, oh, it's all better. I'm all better. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been really green for her to react the way she did. Right. I feel like, well, I've never had green urine. I was going to say, I feel like people who eat maybe a really insane amount of green vegetables might have a green tinge to their urine, but I don't know. I think, um, I know it can happen from if you take too many vitamins yeah, and your body can't absorb them, mm. they can come out as green in Interesting. urine. And also, I think it can be a signifier of a bladder infection, I believe. Oh. I think if white blood cells collect to fight the infection and then they die, they turn green. show up as green because they're decomposing. Whoa. So, it can be an indicator. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So, for any listeners, if you ever have green urine, it's, yeah. uh, unless you're on some crazy, like, 8,000% of your daily value vitamins every day that you take, you might want to go to a doctor yeah, and get that looked into. Yeah. Couldn't hurt. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good advice. Yeah. I love this woman. So let's let's introduce ourselves to Linda. Let's do it. She's played by actress Marilyn Brett. There's not a ton of info out there about her, but she's had a number of smaller roles, such as a role in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Tim and Eric Awesome Show, and in movies such as Girl Interrupted, American Pie 2, Going Nomad, and most recently, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Nice. I hear she had a good scene in Captain Marvel, which I still have not seen. I gotta hand it to Marilyn. She does a very good shocked and chagrin face. With Kevin? Just in general. There's a there's a number of scenes where she's taken aback, and she does a really good job. <laughs> looking like she's legitimately just like... Taken aback. It's true. Yeah. I think I think <laughs> that's gotta be one of the reasons why they hired her for this part. Yeah, she yeah. does a good job. Yeah. Linda of the Year Analysis Lab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and from here we get a scene between Michael and Dwight. And Michael has a very serious question for him. So I need you to do some work on the St. Andrews account. I need your urine. I need some filing done. What kind of filing? That just forget it. Just the urine. That goes directly to the tester. Just. I need your urine. Like in a cup. Yes, in a cup. We're not animals, Dwight. But what purpose? It's none of your business. Then I refuse. Okay, all right. Just. I went to an Alicia Keys concert over the weekend. And I think I may have gotten high accidentally by a girl with a lip ring. Are you serious? I need clean urine for the lady. It's like, urine goes all over the place. You know, there's no control in it. It's just... Not my cup, urine. The cup could find its way under the urine. It might be an accident. Were you forced to do drugs at this concert? No, just look, Was something wrong? Look, just... 
Yeah, I just had a thought during this scene that yeah. I didn't think of earlier, uh-huh. and um, it's probably ridiculous, but is it possible Michael was at that Alicia Keys concert with the woman with the lip ring as a date? No. Are you sure? Because he mentions earlier in the episode, when he first brings up the Alicia, Key concert, mm-hmm. Alicia Keys concert, that he scored these great aisle seats, plural. So wouldn't the person sitting mm. next to him hypothetically well, be someone that came with him? Also earlier, he specifically said that he met a girl with a lip ring at the concert, and he doesn't often get to meet girls with lip oh, rings. Oh, did he say he met her at the concert? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I missed that. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't imagine... I can't imagine who he went with. He's not dating anyone at the moment. Maybe that makes it even better, then, that he bought two tickets anticipating... He could bring a date to a concert. He oh. fell short. Oh, Couldn't God. find anybody to join him. So uh. he ended up trying to meet the girl sitting next to him with a lip ring. That, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> he does mention plural tickets. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Interesting. Oh, poor Michael. I love... I love how Michael is trying to explain his way out of the illegality... Of what he's asking <laughs> Dwight to do. It's just urine, you know? It's everywhere. It's You can't control There's it. There's no control. Not my urine. <laughs> I also love how Dwight's protective instincts kick in and he starts to think that, like, Michael was somehow victimized. Forced to do <laughs> drugs at a concert. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, from here we cut back to Dwight who's aggressively chugging water, very much in the style of a hamster. I mean, it's aggressive, but he's taking very, very tiny gulps. And it's just like he has the bottle just directly pointing down into his mouth, and he's just looking directly up at it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And he's doing this in front of Angela, who has a question for Dwight. Do you want to give Michael your urine? I want him to have all the urine he needs. (laughs) Ever loyal compatriot. (laughs) So she tells him that he won't get her permission for this. And Dwight says, yeah, I know that. You don't think I know that? And storms out of the room, holding a cup. Oh, no, he's not holding the urine at this point. Mm -hmm. No, but he's still holding the cup. That says Michael Scott specimen on the side of it, and it's just a... Oh, does it really? Yeah, I noticed that. I paused it when he first passed it to him in the scene we just played the clip of. It's just written in magic marker on the side, Michael Scott specimen, and it's just a cardboard coffee cup with a plastic lid. Do you think Michael washed that out before giving it to Dwight to fill it up with urine? Doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh... So in the other break room, we see Ryan speaking to Linda and asking her about her job. (laughs) She tells Ryan they do urine testing all over the country, and he asks her if they're hiring. (laughs) I like that he just rushes past her, just like, oh yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. Are you guys hiring? (laughs) Yeah. It's true. (laughs) She somewhat incredulously asks if he (laughs) wants to work at the urinalysis lab, and he looks around nervously and says... Yeah, maybe. (laughs) The look she gives him, like, you want to work at a urinalysis lab? (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. And it's hilarious because at some point she had to make that decision. 
It, it yeah, but all I think just the fact that he's asking about it while he's at his work. It's not like they mm. met elsewhere. He's at his job and asking her if they're hiring at her job. It's a good point. And, and it, it's just so random compared to working in a paper company office. Right. And it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem like something, you know, there's careers people might want to pursue, you know, celebrity, TV host, something, you know, actor, race car driver, astronaut. Yeah. I don't think your analysis lab technician is generally <laughs> something many little kids have on their list. Absolutely not. <laughs> but Ryan, lab technician. <laughs> I'm sure Ryan's just looking at like anything but this. You think my takeaway from that and why he was looking around nervously and asking was that he is expecting to fail that drug test. Oh. Yeah. So, but I mean, how would asking her about the job make that any different? Just making conversation, I guess, because he's nervous. I think he's looking for if he gets fired from Dunder Mifflin, other options. Uh, Although it also strikes me, maybe that's not right, because you have to assume the urinalysis lab probably drug tests. Of all jobs, the drug test. It's true. People doing drug tests strike me as an odd one to say, nah, we're good. Maybe he hadn't thought it through completely maybe but he seemed very nervous and just like he yeah very shifty i mean it doesn't seem like his day was particularly worse than anybody else's or any other day he's had there yeah no it's true so yeah i think he just i don't know honestly thinking about the scene how did ryan not fail the drug test i mean it's possible ryan did fail the drug test but he works from the temp agency so i guess not yeah problem it's possible corporate was just like eh, whatever that makes sense maybe that's why ryan becomes a permanent employee a couple episodes later because he got fired from the temp agency appealed to michael and michael hired him (laughs) maybe (laughs) so technically you never failed a drug test as a dunder mifflin employee you failed it as a temp (laughs) from another company so we have no record of that right what about creed though creed creed's got a urine guy yeah He's, he probably found it somewhere. You know, it's, it's urine. There's no controlling it. You know, it just (laughs) goes all over the place. (laughs) Oh yeah. Creed's a survivor. He, he wouldn't risk his job just by failing a drug test. Right. I mean, you do anything to keep that job. Oh yeah. The only thing. Yeah. Between Between him and a homeless man is that job. Yeah. He'll do anything to keep it like he did when he was a homeless man. He's got to continue doing scuba. Because if he can't scuba... What's this all been about? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's well, Creed. I mean, now we're just bound, jumping way ahead on Creed. But he seems to have several long-term plans in play. One of them is also acquiring uh, three office chairs for some reason. Hmm. Because later when Michael is trying to shop for a chair, he's he's hammering Pam about it. And he says that Pam promised when she gets a new chair, she'd give Creed his. That's right. And then there's only one to go. I will say, <laughs> I worked in an office before while I was in college. And there was a number of times that I showed up to work the next day after a long night out. Mm-hmm. And I would do, I would make the three rolling office chair bed. Really? In a break room, and I would try and take a nap. It, like post-divorce Forrest McNeil. I was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was never successful at falling asleep. It was very uncomfortable. But no, that looks rough. I certainly attempted it. Yeah, I think I've done that too. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. I think everyone who works in an office has done that at some point or another. Not a good bed yeah. option. Ground's probably better. All right. <laughs> 
just in case any of you were wondering. Creed's an old man. He's cushioning that back. <laughs> so we cut to the stairwell where we see Dwight in the corner. He's been shot. No. <laughs> He's crying and moaning in a similar manner to the B&B episode where he's at the farm and Jim and Pam hear this weird, Moan. eerie moaning coming mm-hmm. from another room in the house. and It's a very exaggerated, anguished moan. Yeah, slash anguished cry. is a great word for it. <laughs> we get a, voice, a voiceover from Dwight as he talks about his family lineage and how his father and grandfather were also named Dwight Schrute. But his grandfather's father was named Dwight Shrewd Amish. <laughs> Dwight goes on to explain that he loved his father very much. Every morning, his dad would wake up at dawn to make them biscuits and gravy. And he and Dwight used to play lots of games together. And, uh, yeah, the way he delivers that line, biscuits and gravy, is always... Stuck out to me. It's weird, weird yeah, delivery. It's interesting because it's a voiceover, so maybe it's possible they just put two takes together and they don't really flow. It seems like it because yeah, yeah. It, it's it almost sounds like somebody's voice was cut together from different clips. Of, hmm. My father would wake up every morning at dawn and make us biscuits and gravy. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. I didn't yeah. notice. Let's do it after this. Yeah. So they played a lot of games together, and his dad always cheated, but Dwight never busted him on it. He would have, but he didn't know about it, since his dad didn't tell him till years later, and he was shocked <laughs> when, his, when he later found out. <laughs> and as this voiceover is happening, we see Dwight hesitantly approaching Michael's office and kind of changing his mind back and forth as to whether or not he, he wants to hand over his urine sample to Michael. It's a very slow march over there. Yeah. And he's he's not happy about being in this situation either, you can tell. Well, he was just moaning in the stairwell. <laughs> yeah, so fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> With a cup in front of him. Yeah. Uh, Michael accepts the sample and wordlessly shuts the door in Dwight's face. Now we cut to Jim and Pam in the break room, and Pam... Is having fun with a jinxed gym. What? Do you want to tell me something? You look like you want to tell me something. You look like you have something really important to say and you just can't for some reason. Come on, you can tell me. Jim, you can tell me anything. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I feel like a lot of it's not seen, or is seen, rather. Right. But yeah, the look on Jim's face after Pam says, you can tell me anything, that he's kind of smiling along with the joke, and then he thinks... Thinks about it. Yeah, and uh, you see the sadness creep over his face, and he kind of looks off to the side, like, no. Mm-hmm. And Pam notices it. Mm-hmm. It's gotten weird. Yeah, you, she, you can tell she knows she crossed the line a little bit. Well, and it's not like, I not mean, like yeah, offending not, him not or that anything. She did just, necessarily, but that like you know, yeah. it's that I feel Str- like she struck a nerve. She knows that she struck a nerve. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I feel like for a, a long time, up until several episodes ago, well, up until the booze cruise, really, and the fallout of that, she 
I, I feel like she knew, you know, somewhere in the back of her mind that Jim was into her because it's pretty obvious, but like didn't think about it that much necessarily or her own feelings and how it, everything's affecting him. And I feel like, yeah, over the last few episodes, it's become more and more abundantly clear with them and the shopping and the Rite Aid together and mm-hmm. with Jim planning his vacation right. at the same time as her wedding mm-hmm. and her not wanting to do wedding planning in front of him. Right. So, yeah, I feel like this kind of pulls her back to the reality of where their relationship actually is. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a lot of gravity in that moment. Yeah, and we I feel like it's also that we see, like, I feel like the, the gym that he speaks about later in the series when he's talking about what he was going through emotionally in this time in the series that underneath the uh, laughter and the making fun of Dwight and the pranks, you know, he's just cripplingly depressed yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. This is true. Mm-hmm. So back at Dwight's desk, Dwight looks down at his lap, disappointed in himself, and looks over at Angela, who also gives him a disappointed look. Dwight picks up his sheriff's deputy hat and jacket and leaves the office. We cut to a shot of him outside walking into the sheriff's department. Back at the office, Kevin informs Linda that he would like a magazine. <laughs> And we get another really great surprised Linda face when, after she protests, Kevin says that he would still like a magazine. (laughs) She she looks at him like he's crazy. We see Dwight return, and Michael calls him into his office, excitedly telling him that he passed, and it worked! Michael notices Dwight is upset and asks him what's wrong and where his costume went. Right, because Dwight's wearing a suit now, not the sheriff's deputy uniform. Not the sheriff's deputy uniform, right. Dwight informs him that it's a uniform, and that he turned it in earlier, when he tendered his resignation. Michael asks why he would do that, and Dwight tells him that he took an oath when he was sworn in, and he broke that oath today. After Dwight storms out, we see Michael make a silly face by himself, like Dwight is being ridiculous. But it's clear from his expression and mannerisms that Michael feels badly that his actions hurt Dwight. Yeah, I feel like he tries to kind of blow it off to himself and can't. Right. It almost seems more like he's just aware, maybe for the first time, of like the sacrifice that Dwight just made for him. There's something that, even though Dwight was prancing around in his uniform being ridiculous and annoying the whole episode, it was something that clearly he considered really important to him. Mm -hmm. And he sacrificed all of that. To save Michael. So you don't think any of it's kind of a self-reflection of Michael thinking to himself like, oh, I'm kind of a bad guy. Even though his insensitivity is one of his hallmarks, he, you know, I feel like it's largely a mask of his extreme sensitivity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things are going to poke through that wall. Hmm. And I feel like Dwight being very genuinely just upset but still doing what was in Michael's best interest over his own, you know, it kind of touched Michael and made him feel, I guess, I, I think remorse. Maybe he sees himself as a bad guy because of it, because of that relating to Dwight. But I see it more of just, you know, that he feels bad about what he did to Dwight. What he did to Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad he didn't ask somebody else who wasn't so wrapped up and and identified by their morality. Like Kevin. Why didn't he ask Kevin for his urine? <laughs> I'm just imagining how that scene would play out. <laughs> him sitting down across from Kevin, <laughs> telling him that he needs his urine. Kevin's going to Michael's office to drop off the sample, and it's 
just the chili scene all over again. <laughs> drops the chili and he's trying to scoop it back into the cup. Oh and Michael <laughs> ends up rolling in it all over the place. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh. The episode segues into the next episode, The Carpet Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. We should, oh, that's gross. We should really turn this podcast into an office fan fiction. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just stop talking about The Office at all and just make up our own. <laughs> the episodes will start the same, but they'll end in Rob and Dan land. Right. <laughs> Sounds great. I don't even know where we were now. Uh, oh yeah so kevin asked dwight linda stormed out. dwight what dwight stormed out of oh Michael's yeah office. okay we cut back to jim's desk where pam arrives she takes a can of coke out of her pocket and places it down on his desk she asks him to buy it from her and she can't handle that they haven't spoken for hours or jim's weirdness while he's been silent in reference to the scene where he makes a serious face after she tells him that she can tell her anything. At least I have to assume that's what she means is referencing when she says it's been weird because it didn't seem weird up until then. No, it's true. Yeah. She also really wants to know what's been going on with Dwight and Jim hasn't been able to tell her. So Jim seems to hesitate in a somewhat playful manner, knowing that he's going to buy the Coke and give it to her and end up talking. But mm-hmm. he resists for a second and we see Pam scooch the can closer to him like a puppy with a ball who wants their human to play with them. <laughs> it is very much like that. Yeah. <laughs> Jim takes the dollar out of his wallet and hands it to Pam and then hands her the Coke. They exchange hellos and he asks how much time she has on her break. She says 10 minutes and he stands up and gestures for her to lead the way to the break room. I have to say, even though... Uh... Well, it's in the clip, but I mean, it's just purely visual component of the clip we're going to play shortly. I uh, find it very touching that even though Jim pays her for the soda to free himself of jinx, that when we see them talking in the break room, it's not Pam drinking the soda or the soda going unattended as they speak. It's the soda open on the table next to them, and both of them are drinking soda from little tiny Dixie cups as they talk about the day. Oh. So they split it. And that being said... Here's a clip to close out the episode. Last one. Since you did such a good job with the investigation, I decided to pull a few strings, call in a few favors, and I've decided to make you official security supervisor of the branch. Really? Yes, sir. That's fantastic, because I've always felt that the security here sucked. So you want to... Dwight K. Schroot. I hereby declare you an honorary volunteer corporal in charge of assisting all activities security. Okay. Here's your badge. Thank you, Michael. Very nice. Great. Can I have a gun? No, I don't have a gun. Okay. I'll have to bring in my bow staff. I don't think so. Don't. Good. Uh, thank you, Michael. <sighs> no. Uh... Uh, I need to go over some details with you. All right. First of well, all. Well, thank you. Hank. Okay. How many orange traffic cones do you have? Two. Oh, God. Wow. What a terrible day to not be able to talk. Dwight was literally carrying around his own urine and dressed like one of the village people. Why does he do the things that he does for Michael? I just don't get it.
What is he getting out of that relationship? Mm. Deep question by Jim. Right. And another moment where he might as well be holding up a mirror to himself. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, obvious. Parallels of his own situation <laughs> as we see the shot that I was talking about of him and Pam. Yes. Sipping their soda. During the talking heads. Right. Although I will say, and not that it takes away from Jim's point at all, but it probably makes the day a little easier to get through sometimes at Dunder Mifflin if you're not speaking at all to anybody. Maybe not in a sales position. Mm, that's a good point. How is he like answering the phone? Because he didn't yeah, all day. Just let it go to voice. It just rang on his desk, and he just sat there staring at it silently. As I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> Pam was tickled every time she transferred the call to him too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jim Halpert. Sure, I'll transfer you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's good. So we meet Hank. We finally meet Hank. Big moment. And I want to point out in the clip. Yeah, me too. He's great. I want to point out from the clip before we get introduced to Hank here that when that scene initially starts, Michael and Dwight are heading down the stairway Mm -hmm. to the lobby of the building where Hank's security station is at. Right. And when Dwight says the line, oh, that's great because I always thought the security around here sucked. He says that right as he gets to Hank's desk. Oh yeah, I feel like Hank <laughs> stares at him as he's saying it. Yeah, he's but like, you seriously? don't you don't hear it in the clip. So no, I just, you don't. I wanted yeah. to paint that picture because that line is That's a, a good lot thing to bring up. A lot funnier with Hank staring directly <laughs> at Dwight as he says it. And Michael looks over at Hank as Dwight says it too, like having more self more awareness than Dwight does in the moment. Very true. Like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because I guess <laughs> Hank is going out on a limb for Michael in this scene, essentially. Oh, yeah. There, there's nothing the in this. The first thing out of the gate is Hank gets insulted for doing this for Michael. There's nothing in this for <laughs> Hank. It makes me wonder that maybe there is a little something in this for Hank. Maybe Michael incentivized Hank in a way that we didn't see. You think he gave him a chair with better lumbar support? <laughs> Seems to be important to Hank. Maybe. Maybe he gave <laughs> Hank his guitar because he doesn't know how to play it anyway. And it's thus... just me and the blues. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and the blues. Oh, I love Hank. Maybe he gave Hank a uh, some kind of a sock horn to help him put on his damn socks. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know they make those now. Really? Sock horns? Well, I don't think I'll call it a sock horn. But the same kind of thing. Yes. Wow. You load up the sock on this device, and then you reach it down to your foot and slide it on. That screams early 90s, late night television. And that's exactly where it's sold. Of course. Yeah. I was going to say, I could just see the montage of, have you ever had this problem with your socks? And somebody <laughs> trying to put on a sock, and it flies across the room, knocks like an urn full of ashes off a right. mantle or something. Yeah. Turns black and white with the person looking at the camera, shaking their head with their hands up. (laughs) (laughs) And I love my favorite line of Hank's in this introductory scene is (laughs) when Dwight talks about bringing his bow staff in. And Hank just sternly looks at him and says, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So good. I also love uh, that after Hank reads out the little... You're an honorary member of the security force speech that Michael obviously prepared for him. That Michael salutes Dwight and Hank kind of looks up and sees him doing it and very begrudgingly just does his own half-hearted yeah. salute to Dwight. Yep. 
<laughs> but this is uh, I like sport. I like this gesture from Michael. It is. It's a nice gesture. It is. It might not be. You know, it doesn't bestow as much authority on Dwight as he maybe previously had. Maybe it is actually more. I don't think it bestows any authority on Dwight. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, somewhere between this and later, I guess, Dwight does hide 50 deadly weapons around the office, so... It's true. We don't know for sure that... felt empowered. We don't know for sure that they're not there yet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, None of them are a bow staff that we see. That's true. All right, so let's meet Hank. Yeah! Hank Tate? Can we assume that his name is Hank Tate? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Hank Tate <laughs> is played by Hugh Dane, born October 21st, 1942, and sadly departed on May 16th, 2018. Yeah, I remember reading about that when I happened. I remember that too. I actually... Definitely bummed me out. Remember it very vividly because I was in bed... And I opened up my phone, I read the news, and I was like, no, Hank! And Carrie woke up, and she's like, what? And I was like, Hank died. She rolled over and went back to sleep. Heartless. It's just, Heartless. It's just funny that I, <laughs> it's just funny that I remember that so specifically, because... Yeah. I mean, that maybe it had enough of an impact on me that I remember that moment so clearly. Because I wake up next to her every morning and read my phone, so... I'd say the most impactful moments of my life are uh, 9-11, my birth, and reading this news. <laughs> Hugh Dayton's passing. No. <laughs> sad Not day. Really, but it was sad. It was a sad day. Yeah. Rest in peace, sir. He was an American actor best known for his role as Hank. He began acting in 1989 with a role in a video game t- titled It Came From The Desert. Released for the Amiga. I looked into this game a little bit, and uh, it sounds crazy. I kind of want to check it out. Oh, interesting. I'd never heard of it prior to reading about Hugh Dane. But yeah, it seems like a very old school uh, like live video style game. Oh. So he might actually be like live acting in, in it. it in interesting. Yeah. Huh. Amiga. Is that uh, a gaming system made by a specific company? I believe... It was, yeah, one of the competitors to the Atari, but I'm going to look into that real quick to make sure. Okay, I'll finish up Hank's introduction here while you do that. Yeah. He went on to perform roles in shows such as Hunter, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I loved that show. It's classic. Boy Meets World, Martin, Friends, Monk, Sister, Sister, Girl Meets World. Oh, and New Girl. He has also had roles in various films like Starstruck, Joyride, and Bridesmaids. Yeah, he gets around. He does. And the Amiga, by the way, I was I was wrong. It was a personal computer introduced by Commodore in 1985. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a wave of 16 and 32-bit computers. It had 256 kilobytes more RAM than their previous models. Oh. And mouse-based... GUIs. GUIs. Nice. Yeah. Alright, that's the episode. We did it. We made it through. We did it. Woo! And from here we move on to... Ratings! Ratings! Ratings. Dang, drop a load on. The Dundee! How can I explain 
it. I want you, I created it. I tried to shout, you all made it. You never have to work so hard and feel no notices. You're just a name and number, and no one even says hello. This week it is on you, Dan. It's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. All right. Vietnam I sounds. think I am going to start with my MVP, I suppose, as makes the most sense. Sure. And as much as I hate to go with the obvious option here, mm. I'm going to have to give it to Dwight. All right. Yeah. Good old D-Wipe. He did not screw the pooch this time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Dwight, just Rain Wilson, has his performance in this episode amped up to, like, a thousand percent. I, I feel like every scene that he's grilling someone, he's talking in a way that I feel like he's his mouth is open, he's exposing more teeth than usual, mm-hmm. and just kind of looks gross. Mm-hmm. And just very intense and just super over the top and he's yelling at people half the time and he's moaning and he's crying and it's just, he's all over the place. It's a very intense Dwight episode and, uh... Thank you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tearfully accepting, you know, things with gratitude. Yeah. He's just, his emotions are all over and I, I thought about giving it to someone else, you know, someone with a couple... Standout lines, but ultimately, uh, I felt like I'd be doing Rain Wilson a disservice, so Dwight gets it. You know what's funny is I feel like halfway through season two, the writers really recognized the brilliance of Rain Wilson and really leaned hard on it. It seems like it, Mm -hmm. and yeah, they just really let him chew things up a lot more, and he runs with the ball. And he does such a good job. It's great. Yeah overall score of the episode i really liked this episode we talked about this earlier before we started recording that you know we each felt like it flew by took like five minutes to watch it Mm -hmm. yeah it was one of the episodes that i watched multiple times to do the notes for one time i was just purposefully not taking notes just enjoying it because i like the episode so much yeah and uh wanted to kind of feel it out and see how to structure things and yeah great episode Lots of fun. So I think I'm going to... I almost feel like... I really feel like we're getting to the point where they got in Signcast where just every episode is going to be like above an 8. Mm-hmm. Rendering a 10-point rating system worthless. Like, what's the 4 going to be? Is that even a thing? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. So, having said that, I'm going to give this episode 9 pooped balloons out of 10. <laughs> nice! <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> and that's what I got. That's my my rating. All right. And now it's on me. It is. My MVP for this episode is our little Pammy. Pammy! She yeah. was my second choice. There you go. She was like a shining light of fun this episode. So good. Mm-hmm. And just the all of all of her little ploys to get Jim to talk, I thought were really great. And I love her talking heads because every time she's just really excited about the fact that Jim keeps thwarting her every attempt mm-hmm. to, to get him to talk. And she enjoys the game of she's it. She's very bubbly and giggly the whole episode. She is. I was going to say, I feel like she, my thought when I was watching it is like, Pam is just ridiculously adorable in this episode. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking... I think it's just because in most of them, she just looks really sad half the time. 
And yeah. in this one, she's in a great mood. So it's just really nice to see her You're right. smiling and not having a terrible day. Yeah. And I feel like she handles the weirdness with Jim in a really good way. I feel like there's... She does. A number of episodes prior to this where they just kind of let the weirdness fizzle. Mm-hmm. And the next day they come into work, it's a clean slate. But in this episode, she confronts it. And does what she can to get things back on track before they leave for the day. Yeah. And, yeah, we haven't really seen them do that very often up to this point. No, we haven't. We've seen them but just kind of leave off awkwardly and go separate ways. So, that was fun to watch. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. It was a good MVP. And I'm going to share your rating. Ooh. This is probably going to happen a lot. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Nine out of ten cups of green urine. Oh, <laughs> it's very disgusting units we've got this week. It is. Pooped balloons and cups green. of green urine. <laughs> I kind of feel like I had to have something urine related considering the joke of this episode among the cast. Was the Dan and Rob story. It's the urine podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I like it. Good stuff. It was all good stuff indeed yeah good have, things. have you ever been drug tested i have multiple times for multiple jobs really uh-huh okay and uh how have you fared on these drug tests if you don't mind talking about it i'm no not... i don't mind i've okay. never failed a drug test congratulations thanks yeah you know me boy scout yes <laughs> i is the driven snow <laughs> <laughs> How about you? <laughs> I've taken a number of drug tests throughout my life. The very first drug test, she's going to kill me. <laughs> she's going to listen to this. But my very first drug test was from my own mother. <laughs> kind of assumed so when you said she's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she discovered a number of marijuana smoking devices, paraphernalia, what have you. Shame, shame, I know your name. In my bathroom, in her house. And she destroyed them, of mm-hmm. course, which I don't blame her for. No, it's understandable. And who wants their kids smoking devil's grass? Told me that at some point in the future, she was going to administer a drug test. Well, she gave you the, the warning. That was nice. But she did not give me a time frame. Mm. And months and months went by. And wow. I was good. I was good for a while. I, I think I went three or four months without smoking weed. And I never got a drug test. And it had gotten to the point where it wasn't even a topic of conversation between us. And it didn't seem like she was, you know, going down that path anymore. Oh, so she knew what she was doing. I took, I went on a camping trip with some friends. And, of course, smoked weed that weekend. Mm-hmm. And I got home from that said camping trip. And she immediately made me go back out to a drugstore to buy a drug test. And I passed, but I shouldn't have. And she was very proud of me, and I felt very guilty Aww. from her pride. That's sweet. Jump forward to today. She is now a medical marijuana card holder (laughs) and i've passed another drug test here 
for to get onto a construction site that we were installing graphics in and they were a national construction company that was nationally insured and they needed everybody on site to take right. a drug test. And when I first moved here, I went to a temp agency just to find work. Mm -hmm. This was like literally five days after I moved here and I was not expecting an on the spot drug test. And of course I took it. And this was after I had gone through an hour and a half of interview with this right. woman at the temp agency and she drug test me and she's like, Oh, you failed. <laughs> I was just like, well, thanks for your time. <laughs> and left. Oh, uh, I was so upset. That's a bummer. Yeah. But yeah, those are my drug test stories. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So I've got nothing quite as exciting. <laughs> yeah. That's a very, it's nothing I'm willing to share. Let's say that very, yeah, <laughs> it's a very vivid memory of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, Mama Murphy. <laughs> I might have to cut some of this. I'm going to have to... But who's the reefer addict now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like I'm, that? I'm gonna, yeah. I'm just going to have to clip this whole thing and send it to her prior to publishing the episode. <laughs> I ever see your mom after this, I'm going to give her a stern look. <laughs> no. First thing. Actually, I need to show you. Uh, she sent a picture of us from like way back in the day. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I'll check that out. Okay. All right, everybody. Good stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Good tough. I'm not very articulate today. <laughs> it's all those doobies we've been smoking with our brothers. That is it. <laughs> all those doobies. <laughs> Scooby dooby doo. Oh. All right, everybody, we will catch you next week. Don't forget to hit us up on social media. Do it to it. Send us an email. Just say hi. Out yeah. of Out of paperpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We would. Peace out, Seacrest. What is this sea flowing out of me? It's pee. Why am I fatter all around my bladder? You gotta pee. Why is this urinal all full? It's full of pee. What's like water, except it's yellow and it's hotter? That's pee. If you drink enough, your pee will be clear. And if you gotta go, don't do it here. We're having a real nice day. Don't spoil it If you gotta go pee Do it in the toilet Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.